Hello everyone, my name is Denis Pinchuk and this podcast episode named Modern Problems Require Modern Solutions, I and my colleague Diana Danielewski, we're going to tell you about 2018 World Cup legacy in Russia. We've picked up several examples of how the tournament influenced urban landscapes, how this legacy is used and how it can be used. And first example is Nizhny Novgorod. Nizhny Novgorod Stadium has been built on the Marvel's Place, which is called Strelka, where River Oka flows into Great River Volga. Uh, Nizhny Novgorod is one of the oldest Russian cities. This year it turns 800 years. This place, Strelka, has two unique features. First, this is geographical city center, surrounded by the hills, with old merchant architecture, boulevards and parks. And this place you can see, you can, you can view from different parts of the old city. And this view would be stunning. Second, as there was the old river port there, there have been several monuments of industry constructivism in this place, date back to beginning of 20th century. This old port had uh, beautiful warehouses and dog cranes. And when Russia's government picked Nizhny Novgorod as World Cup host city, the question how to develop Strelka and what to do with old industry architecture had ari has arisen. Strelka has long required renovation and redevelopment, as it used to be a dangerous district with a lot of crimes committed in 1990s. Even series about criminals and street gangs were filmed, were filmed on Strelka in 1990s. City preservation activists urge all urge, um, authorities to, uh, to maintain and restore all old port buildings and make them museums, uh, galleries, and so on. So uh, uh, develop some renovation project. Activists suggested that the old Riverport Museum could be established there to attract new tourists to the city. But local authorities have done differently, concluding that old warehouses and cranes are unsafe, dilapidated, and not of value at all. They, so these uh, buildings, these cranes were demolished uh, before the construction of the new stadium uh, started. And only some metal constructs were preserved in the old port and became the part of new Strelka. Looking at, looking at these constructs, one may think of net or lacework, how beautiful they are. Many are concerned that now Nizhny Novgorod, after construction of new stadium, lost Strelka completely as unique area, which linked, which uh, actually which has linked old Nizhny Novgorod trade fair architecture with the Soviet era industrial architecture. Uh, as in Soviet time, Nizhny Novgorod's plants produced arms and weaponry. The city used to be restricted access to a place, so very few have seen the old river port there on Volga, 
on Strzelka. There is a question which has been discussed on this, in the city rather intensively right now. Whether the new, the new stadium fits well in Strzelka environment, which is made by the Green Hills, Rivers and Old Merchants buildings, uh, can it be considered as an architectural disharmony? And if yes, how to deal with it? Should anything else be built to fill the gap in order to get rid of sharp urban contrast stemming from contradictory urban elements? The World Cup helped Nizhny Novgorod get uh, some new facilities, some usual ones, including new airport, metro station, just one, uh, rail station, also rail station got renovated, and some old building got renovated and restored as well. City protection activists managed to, sa to save some old wood buildings that were supposed to be demolished before the World Cup. But then this decision has been changed. That means that the tournament saved the historical urban environment in the city. The main problem today is that the new arena capacity is 40,000 funds. But there are no 40,000 funds in the city with a population of more than 1 billion. Because of lack of well-performed football team, stadium attendance is falling year by year. Stadium failed to sell venue naming rights. It has nothing to boast of except very few concerts, few fairs and weddings, and the ruling United Russia Party meeting. So, what's going on now on Strelka is a couple of sports clubs, skate green in winter, and sports ground in summer. And that's it. The next example is Kaliningrad, the, uh, the most western city, Russia, the most western Russia's city. <clears throat> Kaliningrad Stadium was built on very weird spot. <clears throat> in the very center of the city, but the inhabitant and even dirty place called Ostrov, or island. It was not really urban place, uh, despite being a part of the, uh, despite being a part of the city center. Uh, it was, and it, it was rather a lake between the rivers with swamp and reed. The city of Kaliningrad tried to develop this area in late 1980s, but failed. Some houses uh, constructed was damaged because of uh, swap land, and because of that some dwellings were demolished so soon after construction. The authorities has long thought hard for quite a while how to use this piece of nature in the very city centre. The, the World Cup helped, but the investments exceeded all expectations, and the construction works were among the most costly in Russia. The workers had to put thousands of tons of sand into swamp and lake. To compare how much one auditorium seat costed in different stadiums, we can see that average cost in Russia were 5,500 euro, but, when it, but in, in Kaliningrad it was 7,200 euro. To save some money, 
authorities made decision not to construct the roof in this rainy seaside city stadium. The construction works were so complicated that some experts doubted that the stadium would be built as scheduled even three years before the tournament. I cannot say that the World Cup gave Kaliningrad a lot. In the city center, facades and several bridges were renovated. One new bridge was constructed. Also, the airport was more or less reconstructed, but no new terminal or runaway appeared. New five hotels were, beat, were built, only five. The locals say that the new roads and pedestrian zones were not of a good quality. quality. Some months after the tournament ended, the new road to the stadium and pavements required repairing. Well, now the city authorities plan to construct new pedestrian zones on Ostrov, as well as the sports park and sports grounds. Despite well-known and obvious obstacles for construction, uh, namely a swamp, uh, lake and uh, uh, rivers around, Kaliningrad plans to build new housing district on Ostrov close to stadium, including commercial estate, commercial real estate, museums, shopping malls, and sports clubs. Many, question, many people question to what degree those plans are feasible, given that geological conditions and soil are really hard there. To conclude, uh, two examples, both Nizhny Novgorod and Kaliningrad legacy. I need to point out that both cities received some new infrastructure. Nizhny Novgorod received more, Kaliningrad got less. But both cities with these new roads and renovation works and new pavement, parks and all, uh, both got a new headache. They both need to spend huge money to maintain the stadiums in working conditions. Each stadium costs around 250 million rubles per year. It's like three and a half million US dollars which is huge funds for Russia's regions. Now federal budget plays for that, now federal budget pays for that, but in 2023, it will be up to the regional budget to pay. The main problem of both places is lack of soccer teams capable of gathering the big stadiums and soccer tradition, and also there are no soccer traditions in these cities. Um, Traditions based on that, such teams can emerge and all can be created. Both regional teams are not in the Premier League. If the team is not in the Premier League, no funds in the stadium. No funds, no money. No other way to use the stadium can bring money to maintain it and they will undermine the regional coffers. One of the most unusual cities to host the World Cup in Russia was Saransk, that is the capital of the Republic of Mordovia. The first question that arose from many who saw this city on the list was why? Curiously, some Russians do not even know where the city is located, despite the fact that Mordovia is the closest republic to Moscow. It has a small population of about 300,000 people. For comparison, there are more than a million in Nizhny Novgorod. The capital has neither soccer traditions nor a team playing in the Premier League. But the World Cup and the preparation for the tournament itself 
has changed city's appearance significantly, and a huge amount of work has been done to modernize the urban infrastructure. The historical center of the city was restored, roads were repaired, the airport was reconstructed, and even new hotels were erected, as in other host cities. But the most controversial was the construction of the Mordovia Arena soccer stadium. It has a capacity of 45,000 people and cost 16 billion rubles, that is about 265 million Canadian dollars. The stadium can be seen from everywhere in the city, and it has a white yellow-orange roof that has become a symbolic reflection of the Moldovian sun. During four championship matches, fans from different countries came to the capital, and I would say that Peruvians were especially remembered by residents, and according to them, in the city there was a, the atmosphere of a holiday and the Latin American carnival. But now, when the holiday has long ended, residents are nostalgic for that mood, and there are few people on the wide streets that were built for the championship some years ago. It is still the same city, but with a modern arena. Over the past year, the stadium hosted 12 games, which were attended by about 2,000 fans, and we shouldn't forget the capacity of the stadium. The hotel business is also in crisis, and after the championship, some of them were closed forever, while others were replaced by luxury ones, like Bradison, with low occupancy rates. Sometimes the arena is rented out for mass events, uh, but this doesn't happen often. Saransk is small enough to earn money from big events. Interestingly, it was not included in the list of tours of the famous Russian musical group Leningrad, which gave concert to all stadiums built and renovated for the championship in the country. Musicians argued that there was a problem with the audience and it was easier for residents to come to the near city of the band's performance. At the same time, it can be argued that there was no soccer in Saransk before. The local team Mordovia appeared back in 1961, but it didn't achieve a great success. The club left the Soccer National League last year and, due to debt and lack of sponsorship, eventually lost its professional status. At the same time, the city itself and the Republic is very athletic. There is a huge Olympic training center, a soccer and track and field arena with stands, and even a sport complex, which is located in the industrial zone of Saransk. Maintenance and upkeep of the World Cup stadium is becoming a challenge for local authorities. If the first time after the championship the cost of its maintenance, and that is about 4 million Canadian dollars, is almost completely covered by the federal budget, in three years these applications to maintain the arena will be fully sponsored by the Republic. Recently, the head of Moldova gave an interview at the stadium when the Russian national team was training there. Among other things, he wondered, why not make our team the Russian champion? At this point, the experience of Germany came to my mind. Yes, you heard me right, Germany. When we speak about the most problematic legacy of the World Cup, we can highlight the use of sports infrastructure, soccer stadiums, and its maintenance. In Nizhny Novgorod, Saransk, and even Kaliningrad, addressing these issues remains a challenge. And that is curious because the World Cup, in addition to the large financial outlay, 
provides quite a good advantage, and that is the promotion of sports culture and the establishment of soccer traditions. So Germany thought about this back in 1980s, when they first had the idea of creating a single center for the development of soccer. With the fall of the Berlin Wall, it became a priority to unify the structures of German teams and to create a new training system for young players. They adopted a special initiative called the Talent Development Program that included the construction of about 400 fields across the country where children and teenagers are still trained. They employ coaches whose task is to find talented players who, in the future, can enter the main team of the country. After the World Cup in Germany, the state took a fresh look at creating a place that could serve as a base for everyone who is interested in soccer – players, youth teams, referees and coaches. Local architects took on the construction of a soccer academy complex in Frankfurt. That included 500 workplaces, soccer fields for training both the main and senior teams, and even the field for training children. Together with the city's university clinic, the academy also created a program to investigate the causes of injuries. So, if a player is injured and manages to report it to the clinic within a few days, he gets free medical treatment without a waiting list. They also use modern technologies in order to assess the causes of injuries. Media coverage of soccer, in which everyone can achieve heights, was also part of the program. One of the most famous is the story of Imke Wubenhorst, who worked as a school physical education teacher and coached teams in a small town in Germany. To pay for the tuition at the academy, that is quite high, she even sold the apartment and all the time she lived with a friend to save money. Today she is one of the few female trainers to make it to the top of the program. Even during the pandemic, the academy continues to operate. There are remote coaching training and video podcasts on leadership with some of the best players and coaches in the country. The German experience proves that attracting interest and promoting soccer at all levels makes teams the most resilient and stable in different regions, generating widespread interest from the public and fans from all over the country. Stadiums and sport facilities, once renovated for the World Cup in the country, are successfully run by local soccer teams and are used for their intended purpose. You may ask, could such initiatives be developed in Russia? That is quite possible, considering that the state once had experience in this. In the Soviet period, promoting the culture of sports and physical health was also one of the main priorities of state. Sports clubs, sections, classes were the concern of the government and remained accessible. More than 50 professional sports associations functioned, whereas the University of Physical Education and Sports of the USSR in Russia for the first time provided postgraduate training of scientific and pedagogical specialists in this field. But we shouldn't forget that modern problems require modern solutions. Today, new solutions become not only desirable, but also necessary, especially after the World Cup. I'm Diana Denevevska. And I am Denis Pinchuk. Thanks for listening. Our Modern Problems Require Modern Solutions, World Cup Legacy in Russia podcast.